Hello and welcome to the latest Tez International podcast with me, Danworth. Today's guest is Neil Statham, Head of Physical Education at Heartland International School in Dubai. He chats about how moving into the international teaching sector gave him a chance to experience the thrill of professional sport in a whole new way, including technically playing at the last Rugby World Cup. And he tells us how this journey helped boost his teaching and leadership skills by bringing what he learnt on the rugby field back into the classroom and staff room. Hi Neil, welcome to the Tez International Podcast. Great to chat with you. And let's start by just, can you explain a bit about how you came to be an international teacher? Like where were you working before and then what sort of led you that move to be working overseas? Sure. Uh, thanks very much for having me. Great to be here. Um, so I guess one, once upon a time back in Scotland, uh, I was doing a doing a sports science degree and a little, maybe a year or two before that had started, um, I was doing a, a modern apprenticeship uh, rugby union coaching. And that had sort of led me to visiting various schools, uh, helping with the local rugby team whilst I was playing rugby myself. And I suppose it kind of developed uh, more of an interest in coaching. And as that developed, uh, started to think more and more about teaching and specifically PE teaching. Mm. So that led me to um, applying for a postgraduate course uh, Strathclyde University in Scotland, which was a, a super intense year, but a great experience. Um, and then as, as you do in Scotland, you get placed for a probation year. So I did my probation year uh, in Falkirk, um, which which was, again, a, a great experience, very different to where I am in the world now in Dubai, <laughs> but, but thankful for all the lessons I learned there. And then life sort of took a bit of a turn, I suppose, at that point. Um, my wife was a, a keen rugby player as well, and she travelled out to the UAE to play in Dubai Sevens a few times as part of uh, the Scotland Women's Select team that came to play. So she'd always had a bit of a burning ambition to to live and to work in Dubai, and it wasn't something that was ever on my radar. And then the fates sort of collided. So she applied for us a common at work and got it. And my school advertised a full-time PE post at the end of my probation year, which was really, which was really unusual. And at the time, jobs were difficult to come by, and uh, there were 80 or 90 candidates per post. So we both had these opportunities that were too good to turn down. So uh, she she moved to Dubai for a year and I did my probation year to get more experience. And I travelled out in the October half term uh, and then the Christmas time. And <laughs> drawing, you know, not to be unfair to Scotland, but the uh, the comparisons between living in, in Scotland and living in Dubai... There were a lot more pros on one uh, and a lot more cons on the other. So really at that point, we decided that we wanted to make a go of it. I started to make some connections uh, through training with some rugby teams out here. My wife had joined the team because she was going to be playing for the thing in the World Cup for Scotland that summer. So she was training with various clubs. So when I came mm. out to help her settle, we met some various people and I, I sent out 10 or 15 speculative CVs to any school I thought or hoped that might be interested and one of them called me back and before I knew it I was on a train to Newcastle for a job interview on about a day's notice and uh, took, a, took a job, accepted a job in the school that I, I hadn't been to, I hadn't seen or visited, uh, I'd only, only met the director of the school and uh, I, I liked what he had to say about the school, he, he seemed to like what I had to say about who I was and what I wanted to do and um, that would that would have been in about the Easter time and then in August that was me out into Dubai so it started like that and we're now 10 years on 10 years on and I'm still here after a, a two-year trip 
Yeah, so I know you wrote a lovely article for us about um, your 10-year stay that, you know, it was going to be two years uh, a, few, a while ago. Anyone listening, I recommend hunting that one down. It's a really nice read. That's a, that's a great story, though, of how you came to be in Dubai. And, and obviously, you're, you're interested in rugby there, and that sets us up perfectly for sort of what we're going to talk about, which is obviously obviously your wife's career in rugby clearly sounds uh, fantastic too. But obviously, moving to Dubai opened up um, an opportunity for you as well to sort of really pursue a rugby career can you tell us a bit about that as well then? So how did that come about that you ended up, you know, I don't want to give it all away what way your sort of story takes us, but what allowed you to sort of pursue that rugby uh, passion in Dubai and, and you know, through the school? It was uh, it was a bit back and forth, to be honest, and it might, it's probably not going to be as linear a path as you as you might expect. Um, mm. So when I, when I first moved out here, I was doing a lot of rugby coaching for the school, which I, I really enjoyed Um because it's a brilliant environment to develop rugby and develop sport out here. Schools have got wonderful sports facilities, the weather's warm, and generally people are out and about more playing sport. Uh, and I joined a local mm. rugby team at the time, uh, very amateur, but a great variety of people from all over the world. So it was a, you know, it was, it was a great place to meet people as an expat joining a, a sports team. Um, you know, people from Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Kenya, Scotland and the home nations as well, all kind of playing together. Mm. And there was a, the first game of rugby I actually ever played here was an away trip um, when it was a flight to Bahrain, which to me was absolutely, you know, completely alien, having only ever gone on uh, bus trips abroad. Uh, so we we got on the plane and then after the game, everyone jumped in the swimming pool afterwards uh, at the, the rugby club, which was a far cry from the sort of cold and, uh, and half-broken mm. showers in Scotland. So uh, I, I played with the played with the club for a few years, and then becoming a father for the first time sort of took a step back from rugby really. Um, and every step further back from rugby, I took came another couple of kilos and uh, a bit of a dad bod. If I'm if I'm totally <laughs> honest, looking back at the pictures, uh, and then once we sort of got our, our life back in a little bit of a rhythm again, um, I started to get back into running, get back into fitness and around about that time I'd probably been in the country for five or six years my body had healed up quite nicely worked really hard on my my diet and fitness and nutrition I came back and started to play for the club again and around about that time the rules residency there's a three-year residency rule for rugby which I'd sort of qualified for anyway but around about that time the Rugby Association here um, had made a bit of a change in that they wanted to start. They'd ha- having moved from. No, I'll, I'll redo that bit. Uh, the the UAE Rugby Federation made a bit of a change here. So prior, when I first moved mm-hmm. here, it was the Arabian Gulf Rugby Team, which drawn drew on people from uh, from the UAE, from Bahrain, from Doha. The UAE Rugby Federation formed on its own. Uh, so it required a three-year residency. So there's a period where they really focused on developing local players. Uh, around about that time, the I'd qualified for residency here, although it wasn't really in my mind at that point. Uh, and the Rugby Federation here had made a decision that they wanted to start to integrate expat players with players from um, players from who were local, so Emirati players. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. there was a, a trial for the rugby team at that point, and it was for Division two of the Asian Five Nations. Um, so at that point, we having having qualified for the team, we went to Malaysia for fourteen or fifteen days. Uh, stayed in a hotel in Malaysia, and we played uh, some test matches against 
um, Malaysia against Thailand and against Chinese Taipei, which was a great experience. And one of the great things about being out here in this part of the world is that schools, school I was working at at the time was really passionate about sport. So it did require a lot of time. You know, that was a good two and a bit weeks out of school. Um, but the school were great and it were, were really supportive. And that side of it really, really helped me because, you know, the, the further I sort of started to go down that road, the better I felt with my, you know, the more confident I was with my coaching and I just felt like I could bring better experiences back to the children. You know, it's far from the you know the uppermost echelons of sport, but the in terms of the of amateur sport, it was you know it was not a bad standard really. And mm. the, just the experience of working with some great coaches. You know, we were one of our coaches uh, was Apollo Perolini, who would played in the World Cup for Samoa, played for. Sale played for St Helens, uh, I think, and a you know a real decorated professional rugby player himself. So getting to work with these top quality coaches as well, mm. uh, and I, I guess sort of part one of the story ends there. Really, we we were runners up in that, so we didn't get the promotion that we hoped for. Mm. Uh, we'd we'd lost to Malaysia, I think, with a, a last minute penalty, and it'd been just such a oh, devastating. <laughs> It'd be, been such a great experience that, I, you know, I kind of thought that would that would be the end. But then um, little did I know there was more to come. Yes, well, I say that sounds like a really great um, first experience. And say that it's it's really nice, the idea that, you know, the, the school element of that, it wasn't just this sort of, you know, arm off two weeks to play some rugby and have a laugh. It was that it sort of helped in you then going back to school and having more experience to draw on and talk about. And again, it shows the kind of breadth of opportunity that an international job provides in a way that you know may not otherwise have been available so taking it forward then what what did happen next you know, how did that progress further to you you know going up the ranks in the rugby world yeah so um ne- next was where i guess it got really really kind of exciting so there was also a, a sevens a national sevens program running at the same time so dubai is very renowned for it hosts a great leg of the world seven series it kicks off in dubai um and, and another great thing about living here is that the the local league that you play in, the Gulf Men's League, uh, gets a really good bit of status in that. So in my first year here playing for the club, we we won the Dubai Sevens Gulf Men's League and the final of that is on the big pitch. So we were on the international stadium and you, you know, you're running out in front of 20 to 25,000 people uh, as a, you know, and then you're going into work on Sunday to go back to be the teacher again, which was a, which was a great buzz. Um, so the, uh, they asked a few of us to stay on and be part of this sevens program, uh, which they were doing, because at the time the UAE had a wild card entry into the Asian Seven Series. Uh, so that was a, a three-leg tournament which took place. Uh, the first round was in China, second round was in Thailand, and third round was in Sri Lanka. So it was a real uh, sort of long and intense summer of training. And again, it was sort of coming back to school, what I thought would be cap in hand, asking for time off to for these tournaments to travel to these places but again uh, school were great uh, and were really supportive at the time um, and actually at the time I mean it seems a million miles away from what you'd be able to do now but we were actually taking an under 11 rugby and netball tournament to China uh, rugby and netball team to China to play in a tournament so it was great to be able to come at it from the other perspective of you know well look I've done this to play in a competition against full-time sevens players this is what you know. This is what's involved in the travel. This is what's involved in the recovery, and it was a great chance to make the children feel like sort of little professionals, if you like. Um, 
so we went to went to China for our first tournament, flew to Shanghai, um, which was a real, you know, a long travel from here and then another internal flight in China. And we we finished ninth in that tournament out of 12, uh, which doesn't seem great, but it was the best ever finish that UAE had had. And we won the plate in that tournament. And then we'd come back for about two weeks at a time. And then we were flying off to Thailand after that, to Bangkok. We played in a tournament there and we got to the quarterfinals that time. So we were playing against Japan, um, which was which was incredible because that, you know, Japan now in world rugby terms are, are right up there. And they went on along after that, I think, to win, uh, I think, gotta got to say this without fact-checking it, but I think they won a bronze medal in the in sevens um, not long after that at the Olympic Games. Seven was in it, but can edit that bit out if it's not true. But that was a you know that was a great opportunity again to test yourself and to be able to come back into school and then to talk to sort of the you know the nine year olds, ten year olds in the school who were aspiring rugby players and just to be able to sort of share a bit share a bit of a story about what it was like. Uh, and then we finished up in in Thailand. Uh, sorry, finished up in Sri Lanka after that, flying to Colombo and. We thought we thought we'd done enough that time. We finished uh, finished seventh, I think overall, maybe seventh or eighth, and that should have been enough to give us core team status. But we we're a wild card entry, so we we didn't get to progress on with it, unfortunately. After that, but that was uh, you know we'd sort of far exceeded expectations really of what we were expected to do. We'd been playing against you know professionals from Japan, playing against Hong Kong, and and at the other end of the scale, playing against uh, people from countries that you don't know about seen on a map before you know there was a team from Kazakhstan there there was the Sri Lanka team the team from Thailand team from Taipei you know a real diverse uh, diverse range of competitors and it's great you know you never thought in a million years coming out here as a teacher you'd be at you know an Asian Asian rugby federation function speaking to other you know I think I remember actually meeting other teachers who were teaching in Singapore and who were teaching in Japan and who were teaching in Hong Kong and you sort of you know find yourself in a bit of a surreal situation where when you fly back you're all uh, you know you're teaching Foundation Two PE first thing on Sunday morning. I was going to say, did you meet other did you meet other teachers, international teachers in these other teams? But obviously you did. It shows that it's it's not you know anyone listening who sort of has a an itch to to play sport. It's worth finding out your local sort of team or how you get involved because it can clearly take you places. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it you know it's. For anyone who's an international teacher or who's thinking about moving abroad, I would I would wholeheartedly recommend getting involved in sport, ex, you know, expat or, or local sports teams because you know I was definitely very fortunate in the experiences that I had, and I, you know I was in the right place, right time, and it, it still continued to grow even after the the sevens finished. But if nothing else, you know, there was um, someone who I did my coaching apprenticeship at the same time. And he ended up moving to Chinese Taipei to do his uh, after he qualified as a teacher, and he played for the played for the local rugby team there and had some fantastic travels of his own in in different parts of the world. And I think it just it brings together people with a common interest from just the most unusual walks of life. You know, you'd be be playing on a rugby team with a doctor, a surgeon, someone who's in recruitment, a couple of teachers, and people from all, you know all sorts of countries all over the place mm. no, that, that does sound really good um so on the rugby journey then if, if, was there an, is there one more sort of 
Yeah, so the tournament to go through where you led the team out in, into. Yeah, you know, I don't again. You, you, you tell us. Yeah, yes. well, I guess the um, the final the final destination of it was that we uh, we we played one more. I played one more 15s tournament after that. Uh, no, oh, there might have been a couple actually. There was a there was a sevens trip to India um, where we we flew to Mumbai, uh, which didn't didn't wasn't quite as successful as the other ones, but still a, a great experience. Um, and then the last 15s one for me was to Uzbekistan, of, of all places, um, where we played in another division of the Asian Five Nations. So we played in a, it was a, a four-team competition, and it was ourselves, the UAE, Thailand, Uzbekistan, and Guam, of all places. So, that, I mean, Guam had come from, from miles and miles away. Um, and, you know, I, I never in a million years again thought I would be going to Uzbekistan never mind playing rugby against Uzbekistan and again just as seemed to be the way for me it happened to be in the right place at the right time and that game that we were playing in was technically the first qualifying game for the World Cup which was going to happen a couple of years later so although, although none of the teams in that tournament ended up qualifying for the World Cup, you know, the potential road was there. If you won that tournament, you would qualify for the next and for the next. So the, the World Cup was there for that game, for the anthem. So we ran out with the, you know, we got to do the TV moment where you, you run out with uh, run out past the World Cup and then you get your photo taken with it afterwards. And that was a, that was a, a really successful tournament. We ended up winning both games and getting promoted um, out of that tournament. So technically, the World Cup dream continued, uh, although, yeah. it, although it didn't, you know, it never manifested, uh, obviously. But it was, yeah, that was a bit of a, a surreal moment on there as well. Yeah, no, it sounds wonderful. It sounds wonderful. So when you, when you did that running out, then um, was it was there to a big crowd in the in the stadium as well? Was it again, you know, thousands of people all cheering? No, not in that one. So in, in Uzbekistan, it wasn't uh, it wasn't the most wasn't the busiest tournament. I think of all the, the all the places that we that I travelled to. Um, it was really popular in Sri Lanka and really passionately supported, which you know, which I might not have expected at all, to be honest. Um, and in in Thailand, it was growing in popularity as well. But I think the, the biggest crowd, for sure, was uh, playing for the club side here in in Dubai Sevens on the the big stadium pitch with the full commentator. So that that was really you know special moments as a teacher again, having kids from school in the crowd watching it. Um, then you know, <laughs> either giving you a high five or slagging you off on Sunday morning when they see you back. Yeah, again. I was going to ask what was that like when they, if you if you messed up a pass or missed a try or missed a tackle, you think, oh no, oh, there, that Monday morning they'll be. There were there were some some really good moments. So I um, there was a year we we're playing in Dubai Sevens for the UAE where we put in a team to quite a tough division and we we got we lost one of the games and it. There were a few kids from school there and just a gap opened up in the last minute of the game and we were about 30 points down, but I managed to go the went the length and scored under the posts um, and they were all there at the end with the with the sign that they'd made at home from me, uh, which was really a special moment. Then there was another year where the same children <laughs> came and watched me and we lost we lost the final on the big pitch and they came in to, uh, came in to show me the ball that they got signed by some players and then gave me the pen and then said no actually no we've only got people who wanted to sign this one so you can't sign it <laughs> so you had to take the rough with the smooth on that one yeah that's really brutal isn't it kids can be so cruel but I guess it was all in good 
yeah, hopefully all in good, all in good faith, though, good, good love, yeah. No, that's great. And it's, really, it's, it's nice to hear that sort of school element of this, you know, again, to sort of link back to the international school side of things, that they came and supported you and, you know, you could laugh about it at school and then bring it into your teaching and, and your lessons. Um, do, you, do you still play now or have you sort of parked it a bit now just to focus more on school? I've, I've parked it a bit now. So we had our, our second daughter and uh, I sort of finished up the commitments that I had and then I, I stepped back from the international stuff um, sort of midway through the season. Um, it was just getting a bit, you know, work was busy, the house was busy and it was, it, you know, that you can't, you can't half commit to things like that and we're sort of at a stage where, you know, I think most, most older men have found themselves at now where the, the mind's willing but the, the body's not quite or if you're not as prepared as you should be playing against people who are five, ten years younger than you You've spent the whole week getting ready for it and you've changed nappies and put the kids to bed and tidied the house and done a load of washing and then you're still getting there 10 minutes late. It was just, just proving to be too much. Um, so, I, so I've packed it now, but I still would say that, you know, carry lots of the... There's two great bits that you carry carry from it that, you know, the destination of what you achieved or the... You know those things are always there, and they're they're nice to remember and reflect on. But there's the the friendships that you build along the way, um, and as much in the club as it was in the international. You know that moving moving over here and uh, and traveling to you know even if it's just to, to Bahrain from Dubai with friends in the international teaching community, uh, you just you just make the most special memories and special connections uh, when you do that, and. I feel like it's added a lot of depth and a lot of different perspective to my career as well. You know, having come out the come out the other end of it now, working with children in sport as you know, in my sort of day to day job as a, a PE teacher, I think it gives me. It's not essential to have that perspective, but I definitely think it helps. You know, it helps when talking to parents who are ambitious on behalf of their children. It helps when you speak to children who are am, ambitious. It also helps when you speak to people who. We don't have a high opinion of sport or health fitness sport is not a priority for them or PE is not a priority for them and you can sort of talk about the places that it can places that can take you in the world literally um you, know, you can share some of the, the stories when it went and i think there's also the the whole other aspect of it puts you in such difficult positions sometimes um and it, it really puts you under pressure and it you know you're trying to produce your best effort on on demand and how you deal with people you know when captain in the team how you deal with people when they're going through difficult times when they're traveling away or they're under pressure they're not performing the way they want to or a bit of loss of confidence i like to think i carry little bits of that with me in my day-to-day job um, which hopefully gives me a, a bit of different depth or a bit of different experience when working with people mm. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it would, you know, like like you said, that the situations you're in in a team, in a sporting team is, yes, it's not like directly comparable to a classroom, but like you say, spotting someone whose confidence is down or someone you know is having a tough time and, you know, you need to find a way. And sometimes it's about, you know, giving them a bit of a, come on, you can do better. And sometimes it's putting an arm around. And I guess that's kind of the same with pupils, isn't it? You have to spot the right way to manage someone and to G them up. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you know you get some some of the most valuable lessons are not always where you expect them. Like I always reflect back on the that first quarter final we played against Japan, and I was in 
best shape I've ever been in in my life. And I gave it absolutely everything. You know, I could not have been more committed to that game or to the preparation for that. And we still lost, I think, 36-0. Um, and that was one of those times in life where you, you give it everything and it's not enough. And there's a lot of learning and there's a lot of reflection in that and it's sort of in dealing with disappointment. And then there was, the, you know, the other side of it of preparing to face something that's going to be really difficult, knowing that the outcome is not going to be what you want it to be more than likely, but still knowing that you have to go in there and you have to give it every ounce of energy and every ounce of effort that you've got. You learn a lot about yourself in those moments. And I think you can, you can help people a lot by, by sharing with them. And, you know, you can, it's been really useful in, in reflecting on my efforts when I was younger or at times lack of effort or, you know, where preparation could have been different and spotting those elements of yourself and some of the students that you work with, trying to help them, encourage them to, you know, the, the cliches that, you know, to not make the same mistakes that, that you did. Yeah. And, and as well, even your SLT level now in your schools, again, do you think it helped with that as well? Give you that confidence to be a leader, to sort of put yourself forward, to be the one in charge and all that kind of good stuff. I mean, you know, accepting your career may have gone there anyway, but do you think it can't hurt, presumably, when you've had those experiences and, you know, it gives you a sense of, yeah, I can do this? Yeah, I think the, the time actually where it helps the most is the sort of when it's time to, to rally the troops or sort of deal with the, the difficult moments um, and there's time, you know, you think back to times on the pitch where you, you just have to get everyone together or in a training session and sort of say, look, this just isn't this isn't looking like what we what we want it to look like. And you learn how to have those sort of difficult and, and frank conversations with people. Or likewise, you know, you, you have experiences where coaches have to pull you to the side and say, look, you, you know, I, I know that you can do better or is, is everything OK? You don't, you don't seem like you're yourself today. I just think you learn a lot about functioning in a team as well. And then I think something I've learned a lot about when you, you know, moving into SLT is that it's, there's a real teamwork element to it as well. And the bigger and the busier your school, it, you know, in one respect, everyone's got their sections and everyone's got their responsibilities of the school that they're responsible for. But the reality just doesn't look like that. You know, like in, in a rugby team, you're constantly helping each other if there's a miscue or a misfire or someone gets pulled into something or, you know, someone goes down injured, someone's there to, to step in, cover them, take their place. Um, you know, and even and if, if things ever aren't going great, you still know that, you know, well, that we're pursuing a goal as a team here and it will, it will get better. And it's about bringing people along with you. It's not about admonishing, you know, it does nobody any goods in a game when they make a mistake to remind them about the mistake that they've made. Because, you're only going to damage your confidence. And the best players that I played with, you know, were they were they demanded high standards of you. That you know they wanted you to get better, but they would never they would never put you down. It would always be in a way that was about building you up again. You know, they wouldn't tell you it was good if it wasn't good, but it was never it was never a personal criticism, and it was always about you know at the end of the day making you better or trying to help you achieve what it was that you you set out to achieve. And I think yeah that. That's definitely something I would like to think that I learn or I brought from sport into any kind of team, whether it's my my PE team, you know, which I lead, or the senior leadership of the school, which I'm, you know, the, I guess the newest member of, and I'm still learning how to function in that team. Yes, well, it, ma it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? And as you say, you know, there's no there's no benefit ultimately to admonishing someone 
sort of to the point of just being negative, you know, it's fine to pick up a problem or say, look, you could do this better. But like I say, if it's coming from a good place as a leader or as a member of a team and you know it's for the good of the team, that's great. So, yeah, I can imagine it would have been a very good learning curve being in a, a sporting arena, yeah, and then into school. I think you just, I, I often find myself, you know, you, you draw parallels between good coaches that you have and good leaders in school that you have. And there's a lot of, a lot of similar qualities there about, you know, the good leaders always seem, you know, they know when to give you a pat on the back. They know when to give you a kick up the, the kick up the backside as well. And they're never, they're never too far in either, in either one. And, you know, they manage the group well, um, because they you know, they're always looking out for the best interests in the group, but they always make time to go and find the, you know, the individual, they take care of the cogs in the machine as well. And they can spot when the little things aren't going well and they make time for that. And it's been the same with, you know, good coaches. Obviously, you, you said you sort of pulled back on the rugby for, for various reasons, which makes a lot of sense. But you obviously sound like you're quite like quite competitive and, and light sport. I mean, are you playing anything else? Is there any other world stages you're looking to conquer sport-wise? <laughs> no, I do, I, I do enjoy a, a ridiculous challenge. Um, so we have a really a really good initiative in Dubai called Dubai Fitness Challenge. So it's a sort of 30 days of exercise. Um, and it, it runs from mid-October to mid-November. So we did a... We did what we did a twenty four hour row one year, which um, which was you know lots of people doing fifteen minute slots. And of course, once you've done twenty four hours, you can't stop there. So the following year, we did a, a forty eight hour row, which was just uh, teachers manning the school during the day, during the night, um, taking shifts on the rowing machine, and we we put together I think more than half a million meters across those across those couple of days. Um, so it's more. I, I am a competitive person, but it, it manifests itself in all the in all the wrong places. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's things like that, and it's in it's in family board games and uh, right. <laughs> and bits and pieces there. But I, I would never put myself in that um, in that overly competitive have to win category. Mm. Only I would only ever put myself in the competitive against my self. And I think the the further I went in sport, the more I achieved, the more. It, the, the more I started to learn that you can drive yourself crazy comparing yourself to people who are better than you because there's always going to be someone who's bigger, faster, stronger, more skillful. And there are so many different facets to the game that it, it you know, it served no purpose comparing yourself to other people ultimately. It was just about, particularly at the amateur level as well, just about improving, improving yourself and learning from other people when you could. And when you didn't meet the benchmarks of someone else, when you compare yourself to that person, that you know, really, it was a. Ultimately, it was the race to nowhere. You know, it was just about doing it for yourself. And it, you know, I, I do try and hopefully try and impress that on on people's as well. You know, I never, I never ever played with the intention of losing, and I never enjoyed losing. But for me, still, it was net. You know, I can remember some games I won, and I can remember some games I lost. But I can remember. The lessons and the experiences and the friendships are the things that pass the test of time. Although I couldn't tell you the scores in all those games. Yeah, yeah, that that is a good point, isn't it? Like you say, it's, it's about it's a good like a message to pass on to children, isn't it? It's like so, yes, you have to try your best and so forth, but to compare yourself, expect perfection to to sort of have that in you. It, it's actually not healthy. You need to learn that trying is important, and also learning to accept you lose yeah, almost sometimes. Exactly, and you know, you win games and you lose games. And, and you know you you just have to think of the 
you know, people that prepare for the Olympics and who devote four years, eight, eight years of their lives getting ready for these competitions. People will, some people will remember the result, but the incredible experiences and that these people have along the way and the dedication and the resilience that they experience in training for all these things. You know, I, my message is always, you know, it's, you know, if you, if you do everything you possibly can before and you can come away from it at the end and you can reflect on it and think you did everything you could and you tried the best you could, then something, you know, there'll be a good outcome. It might not be the result of the game, but there'll be other good outcomes, whether it's personal growth or, you know, a small goal that you set for yourself to achieve. But for me, for me, that's what it's about. Um, no, I think I think you're right, and I think I think particularly the, like, at the moment during the pandemic, I think in all, in all facets of life, that's that's a good message, isn't it? Everyone's doing their best, everyone's trying their hardest, and yes, it might fall short of where we want to be or what we'd love to have achieved or delivered to our pupils or whatever it might be. Anyone listening, but yeah, that ultimate, as long as you're doing your best and trying your best, that ultimate is all we can ever do, and that that is a very important thing to, to keep hold of. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to steal a quote from a song, but <laughs> from the Wear, Baz Luhrmann Wear Sunscreen song that always resonates, you know, it's, the race is long and hard, but in the end, it's only with yourself. Excellent. What well, well, a lovely conversation, really interesting, sort of compelling insight into what you can achieve, you know, as an international teacher, where it can take you in the world, and also how those things then help you in the job itself as well. So thank you so much for, for chatting to us. And uh, yeah, look forward to hearing about any more crazy sporting challenges in the future. Okay, thanks for having me. Cheers.